Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'd like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what-ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and, and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice. Nice. Welcome into this edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, uh, the newly married Jeffrey Wright, 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. He is on with Jeff Calkins in the morning. He's on with Mark Gennato in the afternoons. If you are uh, in Memphis, you are aware. If you're not in Memphis, when you're passing through 92.9, you can catch Jeffrey and all of the programming there as they uh, talk about Musa Cisse for the next, I don't know, a year or so uh, on their programs. So we'll talk to Jeffrey about uh, about married life, about COVID, about sports return, the NFL. He has a John Rice Plumley take that I'm interested to hear. So we're going to get to all of that in a moment. First, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal. It's Highway 6 West in Oxford. It's right next door to the Oxford Exxon. Right now, you can get the new peach slushy. It's about 7,000 degrees outside. That would feel awfully good, as would the new banana pudding shake. They also have uh, the fresh cracked egg biscuits, bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese with fresh cracked eggs every morning. Great way to start your day, including the scrambler breakfast bowls. That'd be another good way to start it. And they have the new southern-style chicken strips. And uh, it's all drive through open uh, also for delivery uh, uber eats grubhub waiter doordash all of those the oxford crystal participating with them so if you want to have it delivered to you if you want to pick it up uh, there all of that is available to you highway six west in oxford right next door to the oxford exxon i'm coming to you from the clark ford studios clark ford's in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes. In business hours, it's going to be right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest of that is completely up to you. You can shop it around if you'd like. That is absolutely your prerogative. Or you can do what I've done three times now, what I recommend that you consider doing as well, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service after the sale. Corey always talks about wanting to be your car guy, wanting to be your truck guy. He will prove that to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright and other guests join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters on the Water is open. It's located at the Sardis Marina. Uh, They're open Wednesdays and Thursdays, 3.30 to 10, Friday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Newly expanded picnic-style dining area, great signature appetizers, shrimp, Burgers, crawfish, uh, it's all there. Uh, live music, uh, fun cocktails, including their famous house frozen margarita to go and curbside pickup are also available. 662 712 6162. And now to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline and one Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey, how's married life? How are you? Married life is great. Uh, we have, we are still married and made it what, two weeks now? Uh, let's see. So the twenty sixth. So this will be oh, three weeks month. on Saturday. Yeah, three weeks on Saturday. Wow. Well, they, they, everybody says time. the first three weeks are the hardest. So, you know, if you, if you make it that far, well, three, it takes three weeks for it to become a habit. Well, there's there's no there's no question. Then also, I mean, <laughs> if you can make it three weeks on Corona time, I mean that three weeks 
I mean, that, that's kind of like six months. So, I mean, what, that's true. what's the, what's the number they say if you make it to, if you can make it to year five or whatnot, that that's kind of, that's kind of, if you can put up with each other for five years, that kind of implies you can put up with each other for, for a lifetime. Yeah, that's probably true. It's, it's a merry-go-round and a seesaw and all of those things, but you persevere and you also get to a point where you can't afford to not stay together. <laughs> Yes, and, and I mean, I, I would never deny like deny the the real world implications. Like at a certain point, like you know, usually if you're at year five, you usually you know at that point you probably I would say statistically you have at least one kid. You clearly own a house. Like yes, there's there's clearly there's implications besides you know. I just don't really want to look at you anymore. Like, or I, I can't, you know, I can't, what, what once was cute and clever is now like wildly annoying. And so I, I, I do acknowledge that aspect, but you know, Neil, I, I've, you, you have been a great source of uh, mentorship, advice, support. And you, you know, from the time that I was 25 and, uh, a drunken sloppy mess you you encouraged me if you're going to get married and there's no reason no one says you have to if you're going to make sure you actually enjoy her and enjoy her company and I'm lucky in that and that I kind of like my wife well that's good that's very important and you're right it's it's one of those things people get married because they think it's time to get married that is not a reason to get married and uh, a lot of people do it. It's it's an easy mistake. But uh, good. I'm glad you guys are happy. I hated that I couldn't be there. But uh, we'll we'll figure out a way to celebrate it. You know, Aaliyah, we were having this conversation, and I think this applies to you. And I promise we'll get the sports. But I'm curious, uh, Campbell. Are there, in, are there sports? Well, theoretically, yeah. in two weeks, dude. Like, oh god. But theoretically, Campbell's 20, correct? Or going to be 20? Campbell uh, turned 19 in May, so she's she's young for her class, okay. so she turns 20 in May. Okay. So our question was, obviously the pandemic changed. Uh, you know, we were, I think we could have had around 250 people. I think we were thinking the realistic number was somewhere between like 180 and 200 people at the wedding. Obviously, with, with uh the pandemic and all of the regulations, I believe we had 46 and we were starting to consider, you know, in life, things have a way of eventually overcorrecting or correcting themselves. And the wedding industry at this point has just gotten absolutely insane. Do you think now that we're seeing more and more people that are, you know, they're either going to have wedding, you know, they've had weddings recently like we did, or they're, you know, upcoming, they're not going to be able to have, you know, the fairy tale wedding that the bachelor promised, but would it have been nice obviously to have you there? Would it have been nice to have, you know, some of my groomsmen's parents there that, you know, that have been parts of my life, you know, pretty much since I was 10, obviously, like it would have been really nice to have all my college friends there that, that I really wanted there. But in the end, the group that was there were those that were the closest to us. Sure. And it really was a nice wedding. Like, no one's ever going to, like, I don't think the right uh, Seeger's wedding is going to go down in history as, you know, 
no one's going to sit there and say like uh, the event of the century. But everyone that was there all had the same the same comments that we really were hoping for. Like I, I'm a big vibe guy. I, I believe in uh, an event needs a certain atmosphere and a mood that that I was going for, and I wanted everyone to have a relaxed weekend because I understood they were taking a chance and a risk to, to come in and support us. And I wanted it to be relaxed, no pressure. You know, I didn't even, I told the grooms, like, Hey, get a lapel tuxedo. Like, I don't care where from it doesn't have no, if it doesn't match 100%, no one, no one cares. Like I, I didn't want to be, Oh, good for you. I didn't you want, can make that. You can make that stuff an absolute nightmare. Correct. And in the end, every groomsman, you know, I, I was fortunate. I think, I think, t- I had eight outside of my brothers and my dad. Seven, seven were able to make it, and I, I understood. And, and a lot of these guys, Neil, they are not them. Not only were they they married, a lot of them have families. Like there were, they were they were clearly taking. You know, they were actively choosing to be there, despite I presume some pushback at home, and I, I was grateful for it. But the thing that I think was the thing that was most encouraging to me is it had the exact vibe that we were going for, which was lots of love, lots of laughs, uh, plenty of drinks. Uh, like it, it, it was it, we wanted it to feel a party's probably too stretched, but we wanted it to feel like you were having a weekend away and you didn't have anything to worry about. And I think we were successful in that, at least according to everyone that everyone that called us, you know, afterwards and, and wished us well. And that was, I think, that was, I think, uh, the most heartening part. But I started to wonder, could this kind of be the overcorrection of the wedding industry where it goes back to, I mean, I think about my my maternal uh, grandmother, grandfather. I think they got married on a Tuesday. And I think there were yeah. five people in attendance. And I, I understand it's never going to go back to that. But I do wonder if the day of the the commonplace 500 person wedding i wonder if those are coming to an end uh, i hope so uh, probably i mean i look it depends on what happens with this virus and whether we as a society whether it just goes away which it might i don't know or whether we as a society learn how to live with it if we don't learn how to live with it to some degree everything that used to be normal will never be normal again and that was, that's kind of been a, a question that's been going through my head as we now tie it back to sports. It's, you know, obviously there's there's some positive momentum on this vaccine front. And can you clarify for me? Or what they are testing now, is this, for lack of a better term, you know, a treatment or is this a vaccine? Because my understanding of a, vac- of a vaccine is a vaccine is, you know, the flu shot is a flu vaccine. You're not, they don't give you the flu shot when you test positive for the flu. They give you Tamiflu no. or they you, say. You take the flu, you take the flu vaccine in hopes that the vaccine will give you antibodies that will fight the flu during flu season. Correct. So are, is what they're testing now a vaccine or are they testing yes. treatment? They're testing a vaccine. They're also testing treatments, but they're, they're testing a vaccine. The the hydro what what's it called hydrochloride or whatever the heck hydrochloroquine or whatever is that what yeah the thing yeah that's that that's a treatment pu- the thing that Trump was pumping yeah which turns out to probably have some validity to it 
um, yeah, that's that's a treatment. That's a, a way to hey, you've been diagnosed with it. Here, we're going to give you a big dose of this right away, and it's going to to help alleviate symptoms and 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 prevent it from getting worse and and help you expedite your recovery. Kind of like a and I'm making a very rudimentary comparison here, but sort of like Tamiflu. Sure. You know, you get you get the flu, and if you catch it quickly, they give you a well. Tamiflu. I don't know if you remember the twenty. It was 2014 signing day when I got the flu the night before signing day. And your boy was out of commitment. Like, they gave me Tamiflu. Basically what Tamiflu did was they lit up everything inside of your body. And so they obviously killed the flu. But it, it, I think it basically killed everything. Yeah. And, it, and it's designed to, hey, we're going to prevent this from turning into a 10-day right. battle with the flu. You're going to feel like hell for a day. But I felt, two or three- and, and that's the thing. Like, in two days, I was over the flu but I still couldn't like eat anything. Listen, if you need to, if you need to drop a quick ten, maybe you got that wedding upcoming. You need to look good in that tux. I'm just saying, see if you can get you a Tamiflu prescription. <laughs> it's a thought. You won't eat. But but I think this is vaccine stuff that they're talking about. But now look, for the vac, let's just say that in a miracle, the vaccine is is discovered and and approved by. I don't know, November the 4th, just picking a date out of, out of thin air. You arbitrarily um, picked that one? You just a yeah. big fan of the numbers 4 and 11? Yeah, Carson's mm-hmm. New Jersey number yeah. is 4, and so I was thinking, you know, November. Both of my brothers are born in November, so I just thought November 4th yeah. makes, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. I think that's a Wednesday this year. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And Wednesday's a great day. If you remember the, the Adams family, their daughter was named Wednesday. Um, How could I forget <laughs> Who, yeah. Timely so reference. Put, it's just the way I think, mm-hmm. you know. So let's just say that November the fourth, they approve a uh, a vaccine. It's going to take months and months and months to get that thing mass produced to the point that everybody, in quotes, can get it. And then you also have lots of the anti-vaxxers, the people that they they're not going to do a vaccine, not today, not tomorrow, not ever, and so. I don't know. I mean, well, like, am, take, I, am I hopeful take, for take, a vaccine? Of, of course, I'm hopeful for a vaccine, and I want a vaccine to come and 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 let's get back to normal. But, but I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that we're going to have a vaccine. I mean, I think I think, and again, well, two of these, I, I think two of these tests, the the uh, the test that Moderna has done thus far, and that has been uh, that's been put into the next phase, they've tested forty people. Now. The real thing comes where you're testing thirty thousand, right? It's going to take time. So we're we're looking at a year at a minimum, in my opinion, before a widespread vaccine is readily available to the public. Now, I think Moderna said they could have a billion units ready to go by 2021. They, I like that. I like 2021 because let's be real. January 1, 2021 is very different than December 31st, 2021, <laughs> but I do like, eh, mm, 2021 sounds good, so let's go with that. But Yeah, but that's, that's again, that's like I said, that's a year, and so a, a and, year from right now is July of 2021. I mean, I, I think... And here's the bigger question. That, I, what are those, you know, the world has, what, 8 billion people? I mean, are we, listen, are we putting America first? Well, Yeah. 
I mean, if you know where I stand on that. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've always been an American, American first sort of guy. But I, I mean, my point hey, we, is, is that we're I, the I ones, do think we're the ones that put the money into the R and D. Like, yeah, hell yeah, it's ours. Let's do it. I, 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 but I do think we're looking at, yeah. I mean, I think we're looking at at least a year, and and, and so during that year, unless it just goes away, we're going to have to figure out how to how to live with it. That's that's where I've, I've been so frustrated. I've watched media coverage and. I read all the stories and everybody fights with each other and and yet that's that's the thing. I mean I want I want to see you know how are, are we going to learn how to live with this a little bit. The, the one thing that has struck me about society in the last few weeks is the number of people who are out there that just says, "Hey, we can't we can't get back to normal until we eradicate the virus." You know, what do you mean? We can't do anything. We got to shut it down. I don't think those people understand the ram- the financial ramifications of quote just shutting it down, and then when people come back with that, oh, so money means more to you than life. Man, shut up. But not not collapsing the economic fabric of the United States of America does mean more to me than than yes, uh, the number of yes. I'm sorry, like I, I, yeah. I don't. If that makes me a dirty rotten scoundrel, I'll own it. Yeah, would I rather? I'm not even gonna say it. Just get you killed. But well, I mean, no, no, we can't, no. I'll what say what this, we no, can't Neil, do Neil, as a society Neil, is do no, something. Let's where make we're, it a numbers game. Let's make it a numbers game. Okay. What's the un- the number of unemployed? It's what fifty two million right now. It's like sixteen, seventeen percent. So yeah, I guess so. Okay. And how? What are we at? About a hundred, hundred thousand deaths from COVID. Yeah, one hundred five, something like that. One ten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 53.3% of those in nursing homes, which might tell tell you something. No, as uh, you and I have discussed this, I can't remember if we've said it on one of these podcasts, but uh, you and I have talked about this a million times. If you were in a nursing home and you were on hospice and you got coronavirus and you died, like, I'm sorry, that's not a COVID death. You died because of organ failure. I mean, one, one way or another, but... I think you raised a great question, though, on Twitter. I can't remember if it was last week. I think it was right before you went on vacation. And mm-hmm. your whole family got tested, correct? Uh, not all of us, but most of us. Okay. And they all came back negative. Yes. And you raised a really good question. Let's say, let's say that you would have gotten a false positive. That's something that... We're, we don't really have good rates on it. Um, we, we don't really know the exact numbers. But let's say you got a false positive. You took the test again the next day, as is most protocol for for most of these situations. And then it was negative. You tested again. It was negative. Are you still a positive case because originally you were positive? Are you still a, a new case? Yes. Yes. The answer to that is yes. Now... For everyone that's saying I'm trying to diminish the numbers and whatnot, that this is not the case. I have – Neil can back me up on this. Basically, since the beginning of this, my number one complaint was when we are trying to analyze these numbers, A, there's clearly no context involved, and B, the, the, the sampling and the methodology – if you were in a college statistics course and you had to do a you had to do some type of big project 
the methodology in which we are calculating, you would fail. That's just, that's not how you conduct samples. And so, uh, I mean, I, I think we can all, I think we can all acknowledge, I think our brains tell us, hey, when we kind of decided, it felt like Memorial Day weekend, we kind of decided like, eh, we're done with this. Because yeah, yeah. I, a lot of a lot of things happened. Yeah, that that changed the way that that people lived. We, number one, people were getting tired of it. People were frustrated by it. Memorial Day came, and a lot of people, I think, and I don't mean this in a negative way, they kind of rebelliously said, "You know what? To hell with it. I'm going to the lake, man. I'm going to the beach." Everybody says this thing is an indoor thing. It's not an outdoor thing. I'm going outside. We're going to have a party. We're going to go. Uh, you know, cook hot dogs and hamburgers and celebrate Memorial Day. And I've had enough of this. And that also coincided with uh, George Floyd's murder and yep. and the, the subsequent protests that, that yep. happened around the country. So, yeah, from around, uh, yeah, I don't know what the date was, May 29th-ish till the middle of June, people generally said, screw it, we're out. And, uh, and, and there was far more social activity. Correct. And I think our brains can tell us the fact that we've seen increases in cases i think we can all agree that probably stands to reason because there's been no scientific evidence that yeah yeah there, of course there's been and, no and, and evidence college that kids summer, yeah, college yeah. kids went, started exactly. partying summer exactly. came we started yeah, socializing it's all it. that we started socializing it so the yeah. fact that the, the cases have gone up i think anyone with a brain that has discretion can acknowledge yeah that makes sense and, think, and let's be real for a minute the number of cases is far more then is actually being reported for sure. because because for every one person that gets tested because he or she was either around someone or has symptoms or whatnot, there's there's at, what what would you guess at least five? Oh, I mean, just take let's say let's let's take back at the you know let's go like March and April, and I know this to be the case because I had friends in the medical community, and they a lot of them were working in hospitals. If you had Take a uh, 38-year-old female with no, you know, with on paper, not a health risk. And that 38-year-old female had the symptoms. They weren't giving her the test. They just told her, go quarantine for 14 days. You, ha- you have it. We-, we can't test you because we don't have the number of tests. You have it. And so I think that's been my biggest, when everyone wants to scream about numbers, 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 I've been screaming about numbers, numbers, numbers since the beginning because there's no context with how we are calculating everything, which I do not think allows for legitimate conclusions, at least in terms of what what are supposed to be journalists and, and those that are reporting the news. With that being said, I don't – I. I'm not in the camp that believes the medical community. I do think the medical community goes airs on the side of conservative because that's their freaking job. Like when you go to a doctor, you want your doctor to avoid worst case scenario because that's what he or she is paid to do. What is I guess what's confusing to me is are we simply going to continue? It seems to me most policy at this point is being determined by case numbers. And I get why case numbers are being used. In the end, case numbers 
give you the best projections for are we going to stress out our medical system? And I, I understand that. With that being said, for the reasons that we've just pointed out, case numbers seem to be flawed numbers. And is this going to be, are we going to continue for the next, you know, foreseeable future? Is it, is policy still going to be determined by case numbers? Because if it is, whoo boy, Neil, um, you and I might be doing this a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll give Greg Sankey credit yesterday. He was on, uh, he might've been on fine bomb yesterday. He was, he was on, on the Clay show. Travis. Yeah. He was on the Clay Travis podcast, which uh, if you, if you dare mention Clay Travis's name, now you get this, this incredible recoil backlash from other media members, but that's another topic for another day. Um, and Sankey said, Hey, it's not really going to be about about case numbers. It's not really going to be about deaths. It's going to be about the ability for the hospital system to show that they can handle COVID. You know, they, they, the, the SEC doesn't want, college football doesn't want to add to the medical burden. Um, so I, it's why I've been, I, I, and I know you get asked this multiple times a day. I get asked this multiple times a day. Everywhere I go, it doesn't even bother me now. I expect it. I don't blame people for asking me. They think I haven't they think I have information that I don't know that I necessarily have. But they say, do you think there's going to be a season? And so you and I are taping this. It's Thursday afternoon, 1237 Central Daylight Time on uh, the 16th of, of July. If you'd asked me two days ago, I would have said no. If you asked me yesterday, I would have said, nah, maybe. Because I'm kind of privy to some conversations that I know happened that I I probably wasn't. They probably didn't know that I had access to them, but I I did. And um, I know there's a couple of plans in place that at this point I would take. I saw the University of Illinois come out today with uh, what what they're going to do. Um, You know, there's there's a lot going on out there. Things are the, the decisions have to be made here in the next two weeks or so. Realistically, I, I don't. I don't. I think at the absolute most, the the decision makers have three weeks to make the call, and and it's probably less than that. August one seems to be like the absolute drop dead date. Yeah, August one's a Saturday. If you told me that they stretched it to about August the fourth or fifth, just to give them the first part of that next week to make the call, I'd buy it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, the the date that is in my head is Thursday, July the thirtieth. Friday, July the thirty-first. I think somewhere in there, the the, the 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 leagues have to announce something. The NCAA has to announce something. They've they, they've got to do this. Um, I think there's a path to doing it. I was just looking uh, just then. Ross Dellinger's come out with a tweet. Uh, Sports Illustrated has obtained the the document about uh, what all would have to happen if for there to be a season protocols. Uh, 10-day isolations, 14-day isolations. If you've had contact, you got to test at least once a week, 72 hours before competition. Uh, coaches don't have to be tested, but if they're not tested, they have to wear a mask on the sidelines. It's a lot there. I still side on the side, Jeffrey, that I think in the end they're going to find a way at the Power 5 level to play a season because there's too much money to be lost if they don't. 
fundamentally I can I can follow you. Here's here's my fear. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned the conversations and whatnot. My fear is this to me feels eerily reminiscent of the NCAA tournament. And I remember I remember having the conversation with you. You and I were just chatting on the phone. I was walking the dog one day, and you were the first person that said, do not buy into this narrative that they cannot cancel the tournament. You were, I, I fully credit you. This yeah, idea they, that it's their, you didn't deny, it's obviously their number one revenue maker, but you, you were consistent on, do not believe that this is something they can't do. And the reason why I say this reminds me of that is it feels like we are in the bargaining stage, in the uh, stages of mourning, stages of grief, in that yeah. this feels a lot to me like when the NCAA announced we're going to play the tournament without fans. And I think if we would have used our brains and taken ourselves out of the moment, and I'm, hey, hand up here. This isn't, this is not uh, coming from a place of, of finger pointing. I think we would have, under normal circumstances, asked the question, wait a minute, how are, how are the college kids going to play when the NBA is not playing for at least 30 days and most that were involved, most that had a sense of what was going on, they knew this 30 days was 30 days was never happening. It was always going to be more than that. I think if we would have just asked that simple question, I think we would have recognized okay, well, they they can kick and scream, do whatever they want. Like they're going to have to cancel the tournament. And for me, when you mention the conversations of optimism, I keep going back to in the early part of the summer when, you know, when most of the country was still more or less in phase one, some type of, you know, essential services, you could go to the grocery, whatnot. But for the most part, everyone was essentially locked down at home and we weren't going out. And, you know, that's right now at this point, that's the best defense we have against uh, against the virus. And things were starting to look up. And then you started to hear conversations of, you know, we probably can't have a full stadium week one. But, you know, what if? What if we say you can wear masks and and be responsible and we have temperature checks at the at the gates? You know, I don't see you know, I don't you know, if this if this dies down Yeah we can and I'm, kinda... and, I'm st- and I'm still here with this college sports being played in empty stadiums thing. it I I now know that they'll do it if they can. And I would be hypocritical if I said I would. I, I, I'm against it because I'm for them playing a season for very selfish reasons. Uh, but it is a terrible look. It is an awful precedent and a terrible look. But I totally get it. I understand it. I don't blame them a bit. And I will not criticize them for doing it. Even though I'll sit here and tell you it's a bad look. It looks bad. I think they know it looks bad if they have to do it that way. 
but I think we all understand now the 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 at least I do I understand the gravity of if you do not have a season if you do not honor the television contract and you don't get the TV money the oh, at, the, at the the entire college athletic model dies it blows it blows up and 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 these it's why you know I'm not picking on Pete Thamel here he I'm sure he has very good information I, I don't know why he wrote it I wouldn't have written it but when he wrote the other day, hey, this might not just be a one-year deal. This might be a two-year deal. It, it told me that a guy like Thamel even doesn't completely understand the economics of the sport that he covers. Okay. I, I mention all of this, though. I point out the, you know, I think in June we were starting to, I guess for lack of a better word, like there was denial and what strikes me about these decisions that we're seeing right now, and I am not the person that immediately saw when the Ivy League announced that they weren't having football, that, well, the Ivy League did this in basketball, so for all you out there that said that they were insane and they jumped the gun in March, just wait. Well, two things can be true. The Ivy League can make the decision first to not play football in the fall, the Power Five conferences can eventually decide to not play football, but they don't have to be related. Like they, they can be independent decisions. I mention all of this because my biggest fear is I remember doing this show with you back in April, and my my mentions and flood you know inbox was flooded with uh, libtard, which I can never understand. Neil, help me out. Am I? a flaming left-wing Marxist, or am I a right-wing Nazi? Because I get called one or the other basically every other day. I can't keep up where I, where, <laughs> where I am on the political spectrum. With that, you're, just, you're just a pendulum on the clock, man, just swinging. Correct. I, no, no I don't, I, I'm a flip-flopper, baby. Call me John Kerry. Uh, there's a timely 2004 reference for you, kids. But for me, I just wonder if there's this giant denial of the inevitable because when I look at the decisions that are being made, do I think these plans could go in place and can go off with a hitch? Sure. I, 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 I can see a conference only schedule and whatnot. And, and yeah, can I envision that world? Sure. The problem that I have is, or, or the fear that I have is it's a lot like when we talk about games when we do the, what does you know so and so have to do to win? When we start getting to like if number eight having to be checked off, oh boy, that, that that means you're you're. It's not like it's impossible, but realistically, it's like what are the odds of that happening? And I understand. Well, here, here's I here's just, how well, it happens. Let, in let, the say next two weeks. The, let me say this about the 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 okay. uh, the no fans. You and I fundamentally understand the way the world works. Follow the money. This isn't complicated. With that being said, have the legal people signed off on this? Because they got some NIL. No, not, yet. not yet. They got some NIL issues coming up. And let's get real. Not that this is news to you or me. If you put, if you are playing football for the TV contract, I do not know how you can argue in a legal court that these are not employees. 
because they are literally under no other circumstances would they be playing football. If the TV contract did not exist, they would not be playing football. And they are clearly playing football to make you money. I do not understand how that's not an employee. Yeah, and I think there's a couple things that are going to happen here. Number one, the NIL is going to pass. They're going to get the right to name image license likeness. That's coming. Two, I think you're going to see the players get a a uh, the one-time only uh, no penalty transfer. It's going to be transfer handed to waiver. them as much yeah. as that's going to create chaos in the sport. I think I think the players are going to say, hey, we want the ability to leave when we want to one time. And, and, and after if a football season happens that sort of saves the, the, the whole structure, I think they'll say, okay, we'll give it to you. And then I think the other thing that's going to happen is there's a real chance that you're going to see the players be allowed to collectively bargain to for to basically unionize, uh, to have their their rights represented, that won't surprise me a bit. I mean, we're, we know where we know where this is headed. It, this is being expedited. Where the Power Five programs are basically going to break away. Correct. I mean, and we're they're, ar- they're there's already to- there's a story out, and, and I'm going to give credit where it's due. Stephen Godfrey broke this on Monday. He didn't get credit for it because the media doesn't like Stephen and they don't like Banner Society. But uh, he had a story Yet out on Monday. Yeah, they were big that, fans of Vox. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the, oh, the, SEC, the sweet taste of irony. SEC, ACC, Big Twelve. Yeah, looking that, at working, that alliance. Looking at looking at working together, where I, I very well may have jumped the gun on on Ole Miss Baylor. I, I was told last Friday when I was on vacation that the game was done, and and the sourcing on it was really really good. Uh, but I, I think they may have jumped the gun. Maybe there's a chance that game's not going to get played in Houston. I'm, I'm just going to tell you that game's not getting played in Houston. It's going to get played on a campus site. They're going to. Sure. They're not going to make both teams travel. Right, that, right, exp- yeah. that exponentially increases the odds of something going wrong. Well, you you introduce Ooh. new. You you introduce the whole point of the plans that they're coming up with is they're trying to control what they can control. If you go and play yeah. in a neutral site, you're introducing you're introducing variables that you are not a- accounted for from a risk perspective. Absolutely. And so my my point is is if those three leagues work in conjunction to to navigate through the season as best as possible. It's it's the beginning of a breakaway. And the breakaway needs to happen. It's 65 programs or so. They need to play each other down the road. There's no reason to play these other games. They don't make sense. What whatever. Anyway. Uh have the coaches it, signed off on this? No, they will. They listen, it's it's all going to change. I mean, it's 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 one of the things I said this on, even, on my, even my podcast with their win-loss was, record. Yeah, it's it's well, here's the thing. The previous menu is no longer available. Okay. Hey, I used to come here all the time, and I would get the whatever. Yeah, we don't have that anymore. Can you make it? No. We don't make that anymore. Why? We just changed. Here's the new menu. Like it. That's what's coming. It's There's a fundamental paradigm shift. Coaches' salaries are going to change. Buyouts are going to change. The way contracts are written is going to change. This is going to be a multifaceted reset of college athletics. I'm convinced of it. I, I, you, well, and, and to I, your point, essentially what you're saying is there's finally going to be some acknowledgement of what of what it is. And yes, of what it is, and 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 where hey, we've been stupid in these areas, and we're not going to be that stupid anymore because. If there's ever another one of these, we're not going to spend every dime that we have to make it look like we don't have anything to pay the kids. Yeah, they'll figure something out. Yeah, and and you know, and yeah, I can't think of a better example. 
the previous menu is not available. No, that's a great that's a great metaphor. And and so we have a new menu here. We we did uh, what's the, what's the guy's name? Robert Irvine came in and and we did a forty eight hour reset. Mm-hmm. And this is the new this is the new restaurant, and this is the new menu. I suggest you try the special. I mean that's where the, I think that's where it's headed, and and I think the Power Five is going to break away. Now back to this season for a minute. You and I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. I do think there is a path in the next two weeks because of where we are. I do think there is a path towards some optimism, and it's the following. It's 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 multifaceted, but one one set is the numbers have to go down, and I worry about the numbers because man, it just not to be conspiratorial, but it feels like some of the numbers are getting cooked. I mean, we've already seen examples of that in Florida. I just I'm cynical about the numbers, but the numbers have to come down. That's number one. They have a couple weeks to come down, and then number two. There are going to be some sports. There was uh, the the race in Bristol, I think, was last night. There were yes, uh, last night. I believe they had twenty thousand in attendance. Yeah, 20, the media did not touch that story. The damnedest thing. It is the damnedest. It's weird. I, but I, anyway, I'm, I'm gonna get off get off that kick for a minute. No, I actually maybe, did think we we need to maybe when we if if we ever get back to normal on Thursday, I want to do a segment with us media complaints. Okay, yeah, because I have a lot. Oh boy. I, I, I mean, I have watched agendas, and then people tell me, there's no agenda. I'm like, I'm watching your agenda. I mean, you, you absolutely have an agenda, but regardless. So Bristol happened. Let's see if there's any fallout from that. If there's not fallout from that, that's a very positive thing. A week from today, Major League Baseball is scheduled to begin. It's a 60-game schedule. It's a farce, blah, 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 blah. But that th- th- there's those teams are going to play – uh, some teams open on Thursday, the 23rd. Everyone else opens no later than Friday, the 24th. They will have played by the time it's decision time for Greg Sankey and, and, and company, Bob Bowlesby and all those people. They will have all played at least a week of Major League Baseball. And the reason I think baseball is significant is unlike the NBA and the MLS, they're, in a, they're not in the bubble. Now, they're really controlling their teams, but the only MLB team that's kind of in a bubble-like environment is the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, and that's for Every, governmental reasons. Yeah, everybody else is, you know, like the Cardinals. They they, they go to Bush and work out and have their inter-squad games and, and such. They have The good news is, actually, it really starts before this. Uh, like I saw where the Minnesota Twins are going to be in Chicago for the next several days. They're going to scrimmage the White Sox, and they're going to scrimmage the Cubs. Which I think is great. Let's let's have these scrimmages where teams are, are traveling. I saw where Seattle was traveling to Arlington, I believe. Teams are traveling in airplanes. They're going to get on buses. They're going to go to hotels. They're going to go to the ballpark. They're going to play games against another group of people that they have not been working out with. If you tell me that on July the 31st, we look up and we say, hey, every team's played six games. Uh, most teams have played home and away. They've traveled. Uh, you know, the, the the White Sox have played in Chicago. The White Sox have played in Kansas City. They and 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 we don't have problems. Or we hey, we had a case. We caught it. We isolated it. That person is in isolation or whatnot. There's reason for hope. There was a I saw where Oklahoma today tested a hundred and something kids. They all came back negative. Uh, that happened with Kentucky the other day. 
there, there are some things that can happen. And then the other thing is the NBA bubble as they, they're in the NBA bubble, as you well know, your, your Grizzlies station, you guys talk about the Grizzlies a lot. The Grizzlies open their season in a couple of weeks. The NBA starts up on July the 30th with games, but they're all in the bubble right now. And the bubble seems to be going well, all jokes aside. They're not getting a whole bunch of positive tests. They're, they're controlling the bubble. Um, it, it, they're on path to be able to play these games. If you tell me that that continues over two weeks, I'll tell you that I think there's a real chance that the, at, the, at a minimum – the Power Five leagues look at it and say, okay, we're going to play conference-only schedules. We're going to back up the start of the schedule a couple of weeks to give us more time to get kids ready and blah, blah, blah. But let's go for it. And again, I, I, can, I can acknowledge that I, I can see that reality. I just, my fear right now is that there's just a lot of there's a lot of bargaining going on from what I perceive. Like, I don't think college football's had a plan when they could have easily... Like, we shouldn't be here at this point. I'm not even making a political statement. I'm making a college football statement. We should not be having to figure out on July the 16th... Like, I give the NBA credit, and you know as well as anyone, no one gets more frustrated by the, oh my God, Adam Silver, oh... Oh, yeah. oh. With that being yeah, said, they fawn all over him. But I'll give them. He this. had a hundred and thirteen page plan, and was it probably overkill? Sure, but guess what? He was committed to freaking finishing the season. Well, you know that here's and this is and college football needs to learn from this, which is the college football at the end of this needs a commissioner. Yes, they can't. They can't keep acting as independent entities. No, the one thing you got to give the NBA because I'm a, you, you can criticize them to hell and back, and they deserve it for this China Hong Kong thing. It's 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 an wait, abysmal. Wait, wait, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the China Hong huh. Kong thing. I know you you can't be aware of that, but huh. those of us, yeah, I know. They're, they're, it's well, a scandal. Is it a hot summer over there? Then a drought. What yeah. do we got? Yeah, just some stuff happening over there in Hong Kong. It's a terrible look for the NBA. They just bungled, <laughs> they bungled the hell out of it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but they were ready for this. And he listened to a lot of people and he took notes and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, he said, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. And give that league credit. They allow him to set uh, the plan. Yeah, the agenda, allow, the policy, whatever they, it is. I heard you refer to it. They allow him to make the policy, and they, they say, okay. And there's a whole bunch of those guys that are down there in Orlando right now going, wait a minute, you telling me I can't get laid for a month? Uh, who would have ever foreseen this being a problem? I mean, you know, you're t- those guys are like, man, are you kidding? But th- to their credit, they're like, no, we we have to do this this way. We can't have a disaster. We, we, we can't have a shutdown. It would be embarrassing. It would be a terrible look. We know what's at stake. We've got to do this. Let's get our money. There's 900 million reasons for us to do this. Let's do it. And to their credit, right now, they're doing it. And when anybody violates anything, they, they, they enforce rules. This is what they're good at. I'll give them that. They're, they're really good at that. And, and 
I know they're going to get a lot of crap about the social justice stuff on the back of the jerseys and whatever, but I fully anticipate that they're going to get started and they're going to play basketball. And if you told me they finish and crown a quote champion end quote in the middle of September or whatever, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. No, I agree with you. I think my my bigger issue is, I guess there's two ways to look at it, and you made me think about this differently when you brought up baseball. I felt that as sports fans, we need to root for the NBA to work, and yes, you are going to be, if you're of a certain disposition, you are going to be annoyed by a lot of the narratives that you're going to see from the NBA. Sure. It should not change the fact that you should be rooting for it because if the NBA doesn't work, I don't know what the hell does. That's, no, you're exactly right. If the bubble doesn't work, it's all doomed. But but if I but if Major League a, Baseball, yes, like, let's say if the Cardinals have, have yes. eight if the Cardinals have eight positives four games in and have to shut down where the Cardinals can't play and therefore you can't, then it's over. That's going to make it so impossible for the people running college football to go, hey, yeah, let's do this. Right, and you can't you can't use the PGA Tour and, you know, you can't use the PGA Tour and while everyone goes, well, they're, they're traveling, yes, but the PGA Tour is a player-owned organization. They're, that's not, that's, there's not legitimate oversight. Like, in the end, they're playing because the guys want the money and, that's fine. Like that, at the end of the day, they wanted to go back to work, like basically everyone else did. I don't. I'm not saying they're they're being evil. The problem, though, is in college football or in Major League Baseball, like that's not going to fly. And so you make you make a good point in that. Okay, yes, I, we two things. Both things can be true. We can be rooting for the NBA plan to work, and we can also be rooting for the Major League Baseball plan. What I think the key difference is that you changed my thinking on in terms of sports at large, we should be rooting for Major League Baseball to work more because in the end, the NFL cannot do a bubble. College football cannot do a bubble. College basketball cannot do a bubble. I don't know what the NBA does next year. They'll address that, I'm sure, when, when they get there. But, but in, they can't do a bubble next year either. You can't season, do a bubble for an entire no, season. People, no. that, 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 you're not. This is a one-off. You know, this is a one-off, and everyone knows. Yeah, the score. It's, it, it's like Dennis Schroeder of the yeah. uh, Zion Williamson had to leave camp today because of something that's going on with his family. Dennis Schroeder and Gordon Hayward both. Schroeder with the Thunder, Hayward with the Celtics. They both have babies on the way. They they already have announced they're going to leave to obviously go be with their families for the birth of their child, and then they'll have to come back and and they'll have to test negative four days in a row before they can rejoin. Blah blah blah. I mean, to 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 ask people to do this for six to eight months is just insane. No, the and when players people do are the willing military, to do well, it. the military does it. Well, these guys didn't sign up for the military, man. Right, and, and and the players the players agreed to this essentially under the conditions of this is this is a one off. We have to do this. No one, you know. I think the NBA also deserves credit. And I, I actually applaud most people that I've seen, whether, no matter if you're a NBA cheerleader, excuse me, an NBA member of the media or just a sports fan. When guys have said, I don't feel comfortable going, I've not seen I've not seen legitimate backlash like quitter, quit. Like, most everyone goes, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. And so 
what what becomes the bigger question inevitably though is can baseball work I don't and I don't know the answer because the, and the reason why we're, I asked that we're all going to find out together I mean it'll be the first time in my life I've cheered for the Cardinals and the Brewers I want everybody to do well I, I mean I, I can honestly tell you this, Jeffrey. It's the truth, and you know this because I mean I'm worried about my business. I'm worried about money. Oh God! I don't care who I don't care who wins this year. No, I, I just can't I don't, really I, I don't care who wins this year. I don't either. And the but reason I want why them I ask, all to get through it healthy. I don't want I don't want to hear about any breakouts. I want everybody to be great and healthy and good and and all of that. I know the baseball is going to look weird. It's going to sound weird. We just need them to be. We need everybody to be able to play and travel and not get sick. The only reason why I ask is can baseball work because this has been a fundamental question that I've had. All of these plans on paper, sure. Can I see a, a scenario in which that works? Great. I have been consistent on this message. If I'm a leader in college football or a decision maker in college football, I should say, because, hey, Neil, everyone's a leader. If I'm a decision maker in college football, I'm getting everyone around, and we're basically treating this like a writer's room. And I'm fundamentally saying, gentlemen, ladies, there's no such thing as a bad idea. I want ideas, and the only consideration that I ask, I do not want your plan to discount the fact that we are dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. If your plan is, well, this requires them to stay inside, be Boy Scouts, come up with another plan because I don't want to hear that. And the same thing with Major League Baseball because in the end, what's 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 going to be the, the question is, you know, if if these guys, if these guys go out, if they, you know, maybe, you know, if they are on the road, if you will, and foreign, uh, uh, foreign variables are introduced into the equation <laughs> – <laughs> how big of an impact will it be? Because this idea that, you know, it, we should have all realized as soon as these kids came back to school, this was so obvious when all these guys tested positive. It's like, duh. I mean, as you pointed out, with Ole Miss, it was like a poker game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I mean, a I mean, poker I know there was game the Sigma Chi or whatever, there's a rush party whatnot, but a lot of it can be traced back to that poker game, right? A lot of it, yeah, and they and, and guys playing. Uh, I don't know whether it's PlayStation or Whatever, Xbox video. or whatnot, okay, but they're they're so, passing the controller around. It's a perfect. And, yeah. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You know what dudes do? They play cards. They crack yeah. jokes. They want to sit around in a room and make fun of their friends. They want to laugh. They want to socialize. You know what guys also do? They like to play video games. Like that's just. Yep. And they, they open a bottle of something and someone takes a sip and they pass it sure. and hands are on the same bottle. And Ooh, I want to try that. It just, that's what, I mean, I was watching, we were at the beach the other day and there were these bunch of kids, I don't know where they were from. They appeared to be locals because they were waiting for one of the their buddies to get finished, um, you know, picking up the chairs and the umbrellas sure. and stuff. And so there were a bunch of them out there, there's guys and girls and, you know, they're being stupid and they had a two liter bottle of what appeared to be Sprite and they poured something in it. I would assume it was vodka or something. And they're passing that bottle around. Just being kids is stupid. It's stupid, but it's nothing that none of us have ever done. And and the more that they drank, the more that they got silly, and the sillier that they got, the more that they threw caution to the wind. So, you know, a tale as old as time. And 
you th- I thought to myself, well, that's how COVID passes, and that's what college kids do, and that's going to hang. So you know, asking asking ads and coaches and stuff to to prevent that is is it's like asking me to grow a head full of hair. Good luck. I can try. I can try. It's just probably not going to work out. I mean, they're they're going to do stuff like that, and so maybe by them coming in June and doing that. And getting some of that stuff out of their system and also realizing that, oh, yeah, this this will get us in trouble. Maybe that will lead to a, a more disciplined thing. I will say this from just a pure health standpoint. Having the kids going through a fall camp in August is going to prevent the spread of the virus among that demographic a lot more than it would be if they're not going to fall camp and football practice sure. and stuff. And if they just have a month of free time. Yes, I can go, agree with you on that. To go play. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that part's, un, to me, un, undeniable. Camp and no is one all day. It. And the last thing you want to do, I mean, I even just think about like high school football. The last thing you wanted to do when you had, you know, 7 a.m. till uh, 6.30 p.m. camp was when you got home, the last thing you want to do is, hey, man, what's everybody else doing? Like, no, you just want oh, to yeah. go to bed. Just want to eat and go to bed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at worst, you, you you know, at a college age, at worst, you might pop a beer. Yeah. But, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to bed. You're tired. I mean, you yeah, you know, you know that's staring you in the face the next morning. You know that alarm clock's going to go off and you got to do it all again. The very last thing you're going to do is go out. Oh, I can't wait for no inside chance. drill. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so, so – yeah, it's, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, all right, let me uh, let me pay a couple bills here. Then I want to get your John Rice Plumley take that we we teased at the beginning before we uh, before we head out. So we're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. I know Jeffrey's a big fan of LB's. I'm a big fan of LB's. You should be a big fan of LB's too. It's the freshest cuts in Oxford. Uh, they're open seven days a week. Uh, they've got the fresh cut prime boneless ribeye. They've got the Denver steaks. They've got uh, great sausages, the grill packs with the uh, chicken sausage and ground chuck. Basically, whatever you want, they've got it. The Wagyu Denver steak I mentioned is just phenomenal. The uh, Lane Train bacon wrap fillets, everything you could want sausages, chicken, pork, seafood, it's all there. Plate lunches, meatloaf hash brown casserole, pretty much everything, and it's all fantastic. All you got to do is make the call, 662-259-2999. Tell Greg what you want. He'll have it all prepared for you. You can just go in, pay for it, and uh, on with your day. Or you can do what I like to do, probably what Jeffrey likes to do, and that's just to go in and browse and um, yep. end up getting a bunch of stuff. And then just tell tell Greg, say, hey, I heard Neil and, and Jeffrey talking about it. I heard Neil and Zach talking about it on uh, the beer garden, on the soft verbal, and he'll throw a little something extra in your sack. That's all you got to do. No, I, I agree. My favorite thing to do is go in there and just go, hey, what do you got? Yeah, what's well, good? He'll always talk me into something. Yep. And then, and I've never yeah. regretted it once. No, me neither. I've got a sous vide now, so now I'm trying all sorts of new stuff. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, we're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 years old. Actually, 30-plus years old now. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So get in touch with Jason Lowe. Ask him about community mortgages float-down option. It allows you to lock in the current rate. But if rates go down before you close, and these days they just might, you can get the lower rate. It's J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. 
All right, give me your take on uh, John Rice Plumby that you, you teased me with earlier today. All right, because as everyone knows, uh, well-established, big football hater. You know, I'm I'm rooting hard against college football because I just I, I you know I I I don't definitely need it to uh, keep my sanity during the fall. The last uh, few weeks, I've been watching a lot of old games, partly out of the fear of, hey, remember this? Like this, uh, this I remember this. This was fun. Yeah. So a few games, a few Ole Miss games have stood out to me, and let's uh, let's take this positive opinion that what will happen with Ole Miss if we do have a season? And obviously, I think the question you get asked the most right after, is there going to be a season, I would presume it's who's going to be the quarterback. Is that fair? Uh, I feel like I see that. In the, I feel like fair. I see that in the mailbag every week, and you find a new way to say I don't know. Uh, I don't think, in fairness, I don't think Lane Kiffin does. But obviously, I, I don't. I've not seen either of the new kids play. I, I've seen a couple of highlight tapes, whatnot, but I, I haven't seen them play at a level to have an opinion. But let's presume that this quarterback battle comes down to Plumley versus Corral. I can't believe I'm saying this, Neil. I think I would find a very, I think I'd find a a handle of vodka and grit my teeth, but I'd go with Corral, and here's why. What stood out to me about Plumlee, there's no getting around how fast he is. Like, they're, you know what I mean? Like, he's on a field of fast dudes, he's running by people. Like the, oh yeah, he's an he's an elite runner, especially in the open field. He's an absolutely elite runner, no question. With that said, you don't have to be Drew Brees in terms of a passer at the college level to be effective when you have his kind of wheels. You do have to be a good enough passer to where they have to at least play with one safety. And the reason why I say that is if they're not playing with one safety, you are consistently outnumbered each and every down. And I started kind of noticing, I don't want to say he gets empty yards, but the thing that stood out to me in a couple of games was, you know, when the when the other team is selling out and they know he's getting the football, he doesn't seem as effective. And he may pop a run here, he may pop a run there. But when they basically, when the game is still undecided, teams treat him as if he is a Wildcat quarterback. And I started, I was like, okay, let me, let me see if this is actually true. I went over and looked at his numbers. All right, Neil, here is Plumlee's numbers rushing the football when the game is tied. He averages 4.4 yards per carry. Still good. I mean, but nothing nothing out of the ordinary. When it's a one-possession game, 4.7 yards per carry. When it's a two-possession game, 3.6 yards per carry. When it is a three-possession game, 10.8 yards per carry. And what was standing out to me, it's like, okay, you know, use the Use the LSU game, the Missouri game, uh, as examples. When the game, when Ole Miss was still, you know, Ole Miss never really got into the game against LSU. 
until kind of late, and it was like a, a real backdoor. But first half, yeah, they made it. They made it interesting for a minute in correct, the second half. Correct. But in the first half, when LSU was locked in on defense before you know they were up what is it thirty eight to seven and a half or whatever it was, Ole Miss didn't really move the football at all, and in the end. I just I do I've never seen anything from Plumley that suggests to me that he is going to be an effective enough passer to justify playing him at quarterback. And uh, you know, for the sake of not turning this into a, a Matt Luke bashing session or a Rich Rodriguez bashing session, I do think Lane Kiffin could do more with Matt Corral than than Rich Rod did, and it, and I and I don't envy the position Rich Rod was in. I mean, you know, they're trying to figure out. They were just trying to figure out how to move the football. But the reason why I say that is, at a certain point, it wasn't like they were asking Plumley to make difficult throws. They there were a lot of times, you know, it's it's quick outs, it's hitches, it's open men up the seam. Like these are these are really not complex. Like. He wasn't having to read the whole field. These are these are just read, react, throw, which to me is a pretty good indicator of can you throw because that's you're not thinking it. It's just all right, let it go. And when you look at his passing numbers, who boy, Neil, on third down, a down when everyone knows you're throwing, he only completed forty two percent of his passes, and his passer rating was. 62 points lower than it was on first down. Like in the end, I guess it's conceivable he can become, he can improve as a passer. I just don't think you can be effective as a pure quarterback when they're just going to treat you like the Wildcat, no matter how fast he is. Yeah, I I agree. (coughs) Excuse me. I mean, even think about the state game. You know, in the end, they had to move the football. They put Corral in. Yeah. See, I, I will say this. If there's a season, the fact that the offseason has been so completely screwed up, no spring, no sense of normalcy, to this point, no footballs yet. Um, realistically, it's going to be August before they're allowed to use footballs. I think it lets Kiffin have – to me, it lets him have a, a zero year. No, I, mean, anybody, I agree. I mean, anybody who's no, judging him on this year, like you're you're just you, – you got an agenda. I mean, you, you, if, if, if they look discombobulated on offense, you go, yeah, well, it stands to reason. That's fair, isn't it? Yes, I, can, I completely agree. I mean – It what? lets him experiment with as many quarterbacks as he wants to because much like the and, – and fans don't like this, and I understand why. And I'm a diehard, as you well know, you're a diehard Cardinals fan. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. We're not watching this season like a regular season. No, we're, we're just, watching it, it. We're kind of watching it for the novelty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if if the Cubs get off to an 0-11 start, I'm going to go, oh, well, you know, shit happens. In the same way that if they get off to an 11-0 start, I'll be like, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, whatever. I don't who, who want, knew? I don't I mean, want legitimate decisions based upon 60 games. Right. I mean, nobody, no, no front office. That's the best way to put it. You're exactly yes. right. No front office is going to look at this season 
and look at this sample and go, oh boy, I just don't know that that kid can play. We thought this was our shortstop of the future, but now, I don't know, man. No, they're not going to do that. And they're on the flip gonna... side, I don't want a guy to have a good 60 games. Everyone go, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You call up some kid exactly. and he lights it on fire for 42 games and he's, quote, an all-star because he dominated more than two-thirds of the season. I don't want them to suddenly go, hey, that's our center fielder for the next decade. Exactly. Yeah, so, so throw it out. So the same holds for football. In a year where it's completely wacky and you're going to be completely just because if, if Dellinger's story is right, and I'm absolutely positive that it is because Ross is very, very good. If that's right, you're going to spend so much of your energy this season testing and all that stuff. Throw that out, man. This is, this is a year for Kiffin now to experiment, to show different things, to play with it, because nobody, nobody who matters is going to judge what happens. So – the whole who's going to be the quarterback, Neil? This is the first time I've really kind of talked about this and thought about it. They're all going to be the quarterback. I think that's fair. And see how they handle, you know, Kiffin's going to – Kiffin will probably try to put – I don't think Kiffin's going to say, okay, well, I'm going to throw everything at these guys. I think he's going to say, okay, here's what I think this guy's good at, and let's see how it how it looks in a game. And I, I think you're yeah. right. Like, this is essentially – I mean, for lack of a better term, Neil, like this is what he was probably hoping to do in the spring. It is absolutely. But he gets, he gets he, real that, games. He, he potentially gets real games as his as his uh, you know sample size. Yeah, I give the guy credit. He's been absolutely straight with his answers. I mean, he's very candid. When people ask him, you know, what's going on with the quarterbacks, he's like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I want to see him in our system, uh, on our field. And then I'll, I'll kind of make some judgments. Then I really don't want to look at the old film because we're not running that offense. It's and he would always be careful to go. Hey, I'm not. I'm not criticizing you know Coach Luke and Coach Rodriguez and blah blah blah. But we're not doing that. So I don't know how they'll do. Whether they'll do better or worse or whatever right. in this offense. And so until I can see it, I'm not going to make a judgment. No, I, and I, I would agree. always. I would I always go. That makes sense. And and you know and so so now I think. You're going to get some time in August in, in this scenario where there's a season. You're going to get some time in August, but that August time is going to still be so weird because it's just going to be strange. And so I, I think he's just going to throw a bunch of stuff and see what happens and then go from there. And the truth is there's no one's going to look outside of the diehard of the diehards. No one's going to look back at the 2020 season and go, boy, that was a missed opportunity at what? A missed opportunity at what? I mean, do you I mean, really think there's, there's bowl no? Games? There, there aren't going to be any bowls played. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just breaking that news now. Bowl games aren't going to get played. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, when you said on, I can't remember if it was a, uh, I don't know if it was a uh, uh, OEP or if it was something. But I mean, I don't think the playoffs getting played. Oh, I'd be surprised. I mean, if you told me that the Power Four. Like this, Power Five. If you told me the Pac-12 ultimately went, we're not doing this because they're crazy, and the other four leagues played, and they they said, all right, well, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna take a, the champ of the four leagues and very carefully have a semifinal, and then play a championship. Yeah, we're bringing them to Atlanta or where I don't know, Phoenix, whatever. They're gonna play the all four games or all three games be at the same site. Yeah, sure, whatever. They, yeah, they do a mini maybe, bubble. Maybe yeah, so. yeah, where you put them in a bubble for two weeks. I maybe. It's possible. I don't. And again, it's it, it, we don't know what the virus is going to look like in December. 
I mean, we don't even know what it's going to look like in August. We have no idea what it's going to look like in December. Perhaps this whole thing's kind of gone away and it, and it's safer to do it by then. I don't know. But looking at what the data is today, it's very difficult for us to sit here and go, oh, yeah, well, there's going to be a semifinal and there's going to they're going to have a championship game and someone's going to get the big crystal ball. That, that, that's that's unrealistic. So this is a year if you're if you're Kiffin, I mean, you want to win when you play and stuff, but you also want to show stuff and you want to be able to sh- basically it's going to be a recruiting tool because you're not going to be able to entertain kids on your campus. So sure. when you talk to them, you're going to be able to say, hey, did you see what we did when we put in the, the when we put Corral in? This is what we were trying to do. We think if we had you here, we'd be able to blah, blah, blah. And that's yep. that's what that's that's how that's how it'll work moving forward. So that's interesting. I mean, I I, I don't know. I I think the whole quarterback decision has been taken away. I, I think he, I yes. think he'll play as many of them. He's got four or five on campus. He's not going to play five quarterbacks. But if you told me that over the course of an eight to ten game season, they took a look at three to four kids, I'd buy it. Mm, the three headed monster. R.I.P. Well, it means you. It means you don't have any. But it also hey, lets you take hey, a good hard look. Hey. The Spurvick, Robert Lane, Ethan Flat, three-headed monster couldn't be denied. That's very true. Well, hey man, thanks for the time. I know you got a show to do, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop it there. Again, thanks to Jeffrey Wright, ninety-two-nine FM in Memphis. He's on Jeff Calkins' show in the morning. He, he's got his show with Mark Gennato every afternoon from two to four, I believe. And uh, so you can listen to him then. And uh, don't forget, the Oxford Crystal makes this show possible. It's uh, right next door to the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Until next time, that does it for this edition of the Beer Garden. Take care.